0: Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Hurry Up and Wait, from our series, Contentment. Amen. Amen. I want you to read from the Word of the Lord with me this morning. A single verse we'll read together. It's one you know, I promise. It's, from, it's one of our favorite promises found in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, and the 11th verse. You know it. You may have it in your home somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised to find that on a card or a frame or a pillow somewhere in your house. Read the word of the Lord together with me today, if you will. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Would you give the Lord a hand of praise this morning, amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated today. Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house and to know today that he has a good gracious plan for us. I don't know about you but years ago I remember uh, when Campus Crusade was getting off the ground and everything was moving along they had a little gospel track and the very first page of it when you opened it said God has a wonderful plan for your life. Do you remember that? The four spiritual laws and the first one was God has a wonderful plan for your life. And we often look to verses like this one to think about that, about how God has a plan for us, amen? Most of us encountered Jeremiah 29, 11, early in life. It may be one of the few verses that you committed to memory as a young person. You probably saw it on a great card, or maybe during some great monumental milestone of your life, a friend wrote you a congratulations card and they pinned the words of this great verse inside. Or maybe they just signed their name with the reference underneath and you discovered the verse. Most of us encountered it as we were starting a new adventure, maybe heading into a new job, moving to a new city, or beginning our life as a college student. But can I tell you today that the people to whom this verse was first written were anything but excited, They were not excited about the move that they had just made to a new city because they'd made the move to that new city in chains. They'd been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon as captives and Jeremiah had written them an encouraging letter that wasn't also encouraging, once you read the contents, and trying to tell them what was in store for them where they had been relocated. Amen? The people who heard these words were in shock. The plans for God to prosper them and not to harm them were not what they thought they were going to be. They were quite sure Jeremiah was going to write to them and assure them, any day now, God is going to rescue you from Babylon. He's going to send a deliverer and you're going to be back home in Jerusalem before you can say Shabbat Shalom. Amen? But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And in fact, Jeremiah knew that wasn't going to happen and he wrote them and he warned them of what was coming to prepare their hearts for the journey that was ahead of them. Instead, God was announcing their instead of their announcing their deliverance, God was announcing that for the next 70 years they would be living in Babylon. They were going to be residents of the city of Babylon for the next 70 years. God was announcing their exile. Most of those receiving the news would not live to see the end of that 70 years. For them, they would never see the gates of Jerusalem again. They would never come under the threshold of their own doorway ever again. There would be no return for them. And even for the ones that were young enough to survive the exile, by the time they got back home, they would be too old and gray to begin life anew. Or think of picking up where they left off. This was a game changer for everybody. Say a game changer. They were going to be in Babylonian exile for the next 70 years. This is a great verse. Pastor, thanks for ruining a wonderful verse for us. Well, I did that two weeks ago, right, with Philippians 4:13 the favorite verse of the New Testament for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me but when you read that verse in context you realize that verse doesn't mean that we're always going to come out on top and we're going to win every fight that we engage in it means that whether we win or lose whether times are good or bad we can make it through it all because Christ strengthens us and Paul said I'm content whether things are good or bad nothing can touch my peace or steal my joy whether I abide. Bound or am abased, whether I am on the top or the bottom in circumstances, my heart is fixed. Christ enables me to endure. I can do all through Christ who strengthens me. Well, in a very similar vein, the verse that we're reading today, when you read it in context, doesn't say quite what we often think it says. It says something a little different, but it's worth digging into today in this series on contentment because two weeks ago when we talked about contentment, we were talking about making it through a rough patch. But today, I want to talk about something a little deeper, and that is, how do you make it, not through a rough patch that lasts a few weeks or months, but what do you do when something happens in life that alters your life, and it won't ever be like you thought it was going to be? Have you ever had one of those moments? I don't mean a rough spell. I mean a moment that changed everything, and it changed it permanently. Some of you are nodding at me. You've had those moments. Moments that mark us. They change the direction, the trajectory of our lives. And it won't ever be like we thought it was going to be again. Can you recover from that? I'm here to tell you today, even in those moments Jeremiah 29 11 is true. In fact, precisely in those moments it's true because that's exactly the kind of moment when Jeremiah wrote those words. But you don't know that unless you read the whole story so I want you to read with me today. Jeremiah 29 beginning in verse 1 I'm reading from the NIV today because it's the version many of us learned the verse in today. Hear the word of the Lord. I want to read verse 1 and we'll pick up at verse 4 if you have it in front of you. If not, it's on on the screen. Hear what God says. This is the text of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 4, we get the letter. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you in to exile. May God bless the reading of his word and his people said. Amen. Just like it is today, there was an entire group of people. Telling the exiles a very different message than what Jeremiah was telling them. Jeremiah was telling them, guys, you're going to be there for a long time. You may as well settle in and get ready. Just batten down because we're going to be here a while. That's what he said, amen? That's what most honest preachers say on a Sunday morning, right? Hope you had breakfast, right? Batten down, we're going to be here a minute, right? Amen. That's how it goes. Jeremiah is preaching the truth to them. You're going to be here for 70 years, but there are this other group of preachers that are preaching a very different message, the false prophets of Jeremiah's day. and They're telling the people, first they were telling them, God will never let this happen. and When that proved to be a lie, they said, well, we won't be here long. God's going to rescue us any day now. God's going to send a deliverer. Don't settle in. Don't unpack your boxes. Don't Buy houses, don't plant vineyards, don't plan on being here long. Go into survival mode. We won't be here long. God's going to rescue us. Amen? This more positive, feel-good message that the false prophets were preaching. Here they are. They said, don't get comfortable. God will take us out any day now. But Jeremiah, in contradiction to their message, preached a very different message. A very sobering, honest message. It was encouraging because it was true. But it wasn't nearly the news that they were hoping for. I want to tell you today, sometimes the truth hurts, amen? (laughs) But we need to know the truth. I'd rather know the truth, amen, than be kept in the dark about where we are. And so Jeremiah told them the truth. He was honest with them. It's very difficult as doctors walk in every day and have very honest, hard conversations with family members. But wouldn't you rather know the truth? Amen, I want to know the truth. What am I up against, Doc? What am I dealing with? What are we facing here? We can plan it if we know what we're up against. But to be in the dark and not know the uncertainty is more fearful than anything else. Well, Jeremiah says, I've heard from the Lord, and I'm going to tell you, but you probably won't like what I tell you. You're going to be there for 70 years. So Jeremiah writes, and his message to them is not, oh, God's going to get you out any day now. His message is very different. In fact, his message has three parts. Number one, he says, you're going to have to face the hard facts. Say that with me. Face the hard facts. Can I tell you that in life, there is a time when we should stand in faith and believe God to turn things around. There's a time and a window when we ought to pray and we ought to believe God and we ought to claim the promises and we ought to stand in faith for a miracle, for provision, for healing, whatever it may be. There's a time when it is right to do that. But then there's a time when we know that we've heard from the Lord, and the Lord has definitively spoken and said, this is not going to go the way that you're hoping. And can I tell you, friend, once God speaks and weighs in on the issue, you have clarity on it, you know what you're dealing with. Amen? You know what you're dealing with. I'll never forget, Shay and I, when we walked through the loss of our little girl, about this time, uh, several years ago, eight years ago, We were looking at that, and several people would come to us and say, Well, pastor, you just need to stand in faith and believe God. But the problem was, the Lord had never spoken into my heart that this was going to turn around. He never had. God had never given me any assurance that this thing was going to turn out the way that I wanted it to. If if he had done that, I would have stood on it. But he didn't. And I dared not presume where God had not spoken. Hmm. Now, I know there are people say, well, okay, you could just stand on the Word. I want to tell you, we'll learn today that there's more to it than that. Sometimes it's not just standing on the Word. You see, everything in here, everything in here is God's Word, and it's all written for me, but not everything was written to me. Amen? There are promises in here written to specific people in specific times and instances. And there are times the Holy Spirit will quicken you to stand on a promise like that. But if He doesn't, you can't just go claiming everything that He told to somebody else. Amen? Amen. Some of us live like that. We flip through our Bible and we say, oh, Lord, speak to me. You better be careful of that. Amen. One guy said, Lord, direct me. And he flipped his Bible open and it said, Judas went and hanged himself. Oh, Lord, that can't be you. So he flipped over and it said, go and do thou likewise. Amen. No, no, no. That's not how we live. We can't just pull anything from the book. We have to rightly divide the book. Are there promises in this word for us? Oh, you better believe. The Bible says there are exceedingly great and precious promises in this book for us. And many of them are for us. And we can claim them and we can stand on them in our time of need. But can I tell you, there are moments in life whenever things don't go as we wished. Whenever God speaks and says... I hate to break your heart, but this isn't going to turn the direction you hoped it would turn. There are times that bad news comes and we don't get a reversal no matter how hard we prayed or how hard we stand on a promise. Sometimes God does other than we wish He would do. And that's what's happening here. Verse 10 this is what the Lord says when 70 years are completed, I will rescue you from Babylon and bring you back to this place. There's a time to stand in faith, but there's a time when such behavior is not faith, it's simply denial with a Christian skin laid over the top of it. And while we ought to always walk in faith, we should not live in denial as the people of God. And there are times that we do that, and there's times we use the Bible to back up our denial. But there are moments whenever life comes crashing in and we have to face the hard facts. Say that with me. Face the hard facts. This was one of those moments for Israel, for Judah. We will all have moments when we must face the hard difficulty that things aren't the way we wish they would be. And in that moment, we're faced with a great temptation. We're faced with twin traps before us. There's a ditch on each side of the road. And if we're not careful, we'll land in one or overcorrect and land in the other. Many of the people, especially those who were up in years, realized they wouldn't survive this. This was a life sentence. Seventy years. They'd never make it through 70 years. They would die in Babylon and be buried there. And so for them, the temptation was to get frozen in the past. They could get stuck in yesterday. For them, their heart constantly thought about the way things were. They would never get over grieving the life that they left behind. They always thought about Jerusalem and how wonderful life was there. And they would spend the rest of their days grieving because they wanted to get back to the way things used to be. Can I tell you, there's a great trap in life for all of us to try to get back into some happier time in our past. But you can't do it. None of us can turn back the hands of time. We can't go back to a happier yesterday when life was better and circumstances were kinder. But they were tempted to get frozen in the past. Psalm 137 verses 1 to 4 tell us how they felt. Frozen in the past, they sang this song in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song and those who plundered us requested mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion but how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land their hearts were broken they said we can't even sing about Zion we can't sing the Lord's songs here we're in a strange land the harsh truth was they had brought all this upon themselves they disobeyed the Lord they turned aside to idols like the other nations I can imagine them marking off the days of the calendar like a prisoner who keeps tally marks by the bed of his jail cell. Isn't isn't that what we do? We make a mistake. We stubbornly sin against the Lord. We experience the negative consequences of our actions, and we start singing the If Only I Had Never song. Say that with me. If only I had never. If only I had never taken that first drink. If only I had never gone out on a date with that person who was an unbeliever. If only I had not gotten myself into debt. If only I had not dropped out of the program when I did. If only I had not stuck in the past. We become like the man who went to work and he opened his lunchbox and he pulled out the sandwich and said, I can't believe it, bologna again. I hate bologna. I can't stand bologna. Why in the world am I eating bologna again? And the man next to him said, why don't you ask your wife to pack you something different for lunch? He said, oh, I pack my own lunch. (laughs) We bring problems on our own head sometimes. And then we sing, if only I had never done that. Don't we? We do it. We get caught in the trap of that. Lord, help us. We, we get caught in the, the past. Or we get tempted another way. We get fixated on the future. Say the future. The older people were frozen in the past, but some of the people didn't believe Jeremiah. They believed the false prophets instead. They didn't believe what the pastor said. They went and bought somebody's book that had just came hot off the press that guaranteed that God was going to get them out of Babylon, amen? And when it didn't work, it didn't matter because he'd already gotten their money, right? Yeah, he he was on to the next town, bigger and better things. Here they were, those who disbelieved Jeremiah and put their faith in the message of the false prophet that deliverance would come quickly, they got fixed on the future. We just got to hold out a little while longer. It's going to get better. It's going to turn around. We'll be out of here before you know it. Just hang on. We've just got to wait it out. Here they are. Deliverance will come quickly. That's what they believed. They began to to sing a different song. Instead of, if only I had never, they began to sing, if only I could ever, if only I could ever get married. only I could ever find a job, if I could ever finish college or have children, if I could ever just retire in Florida, if I could ever just win this court case, if I could ever just earn that promotion, if only I could ever get the raise or move into that new house, if only I could ever, and you fill in the blank with whatever it is in the future that you've decided you can't be happy without. The enemy tempts us to get frozen in the past or fixated on the future. We get stuck in yesterday or stuck in tomorrow, and we miss the present. Amen? God's called us to live in the uncomfortable present. That's the reality. This was the truth that they had to face. (laughs) They needed to meet the Quaker. There was a devout Quaker watching his neighbor move in next door. The man unloaded his car. He had all the modern appliances, nice furnishings for his walls. Fancy, comfy sofas and couches and chairs in every room. He was loaded to the nines. The man, wa- the Quaker, watched him bring in more and more stuff. He called out to him at the end and said, If you ever find that you're lacking anything, neighbor, let me know and I'll show you how to live without it. Amen. Sometimes we have to learn to live without what we used to have, sometimes we have to learn how to live without what we hoped we would have. Amen. Well, I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Sometimes we have to face the hard facts. Say that with me. Face the hard facts. They said, we'll just wait it out. We'll give it a little longer. Any day now, it'll turn around. It'll get better. You just wait and see. They named it and claimed it. They confessed it, but there was one problem. God hadn't spoken it. They had a word from a prophet, but the seer, didn't, he hadn't prophesied. He had prophelied, Amen. He'd made up something off the top of his head. It wasn't a word from the Lord. It was a word from his own spirit. You need to be careful who you listen to. Oh, well, the preacher gave me a word from the Lord. What preacher? Who is he? Do you know him? Amen. How countable is he? You see, it's easy to get uh, stuck on somebody who will blow in, blow up, and blow out. Amen. Because they'll give you a word and they don't have to be here when it doesn't happen. Have you noticed your pastor's very slow to give you a word, and if I give you a word, you can take it to the bank I've heard from the Lord because I know I'm going to be here when it does or doesn't come to pass. Amen? Yes, sir. So when my pastor told me something, I often believed it because I knew he was going to be there to walk me through it and see what happened or not. Be careful who you believe. Be careful who you listen to. Listen to your pastor. Don't listen to people who tell you what your flesh wants to hear instead of what God requires of you. Sometimes we must face the hard facts. Sometimes God lets us sleep in the bed we made for a little while. Sometimes instead of rescuing us from the consequences of our decision, God walks us through those consequences so that we can grow up in God and mature in Christ and not repeat the same mistakes again. Don't get frozen in the past or fixed on the future. Face the hard facts and number two, learn the hard lessons. Say that with me. Learn the hard lessons. They have some tough, difficult lessons that they had to learn. The problem with these people was simple. They didn't believe the truth about God. They didn't believe the truth about God. Their problems were theological problems, amen? They didn't believe what was true and right about the Lord. They didn't believe the truth about God's character. Somewhere along the way, they lost their fear of God. Amen? Number one, about the character of God, they didn't believe the truth. They forgot that he sits high and looks low. His eyes behold the evil and the good, that all things are naked and open before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. They didn't realize that, that you can't run away from his presence, that he sees everything and he's aware. Before a word's on your tongue, he knows it. Before a thought forms in your mind. He knows you in and out, through and through, and you can't hide anything from Him. They forgot that God was holy, that He was righteous and just, that He was a purer eyes than to look upon sin. They forgot that the judge of all the earth always does what is right, that He shows no partiality, and you can't bribe Him or buy Him off. The false prophet said, God won't let anything happen to us. We've got God's house. We are the ones who bring God's sacrifices in the temple. If God lets us go into exile, who will feed God? But God told them, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And if I'm hungry, I can have my own barbecue. I don't need you to bring me anything. And they were shocked when the Babylonians came rolling into Jerusalem and took them captive and dragged them out of their own city because God didn't need them, but oh, how they needed God. They forgot that. They forgot that God didn't exist for them. They existed for God's glory and God's purposes. They got too big for their britches, amen? They forgot about this. They forgot the truth about God's character, they got too disrespectful, like a child who gets too big for his britches. So, God took off his belt, handmade in Babylon, with a Nebuchadnezzar buckle on the end, and he put them in a 70 year timeout to get their attention. Can I tell you, God knows how to get your attention? And God's got a belt in his closet that'll wake you up. Amen. Guarantee you he does And if he has to He will bring discipline into our lives To wake us up to realize where we are They didn't believe the truth about God They'd forgotten about God's character They'd forgotten about sin's consequences You see the preachers that they were listening to Never preached about sin They would have done real good In the day and hour you and I live in I bet you there's not a false prophet That Jeremiah knew That couldn't get a television program today Oh I've already been paid this week. Did you not know that? Are you unaware of that? You don't have to shout. I'm going to preach it anyway. They didn't preach about sin. They spoke smooth words. They told people everything's going to be okay. God's all grace and all mercy. He's a grandpa in heaven who overlooks and smiles and winks at your sin. And he won't ever bring his judgment to bear. They didn't preach the truth about that. And hear me today. They didn't tell anything about what God said to say about sin. They never spoke of the wages of sin or the horror of hell or the wrath of God. No preaching like that ever crossed the pulpit where they pastored Judah had to relearn that you reap what you sow And that wild oats bear bitter oatmeal They eventually learned the chickens do come home to roost Did you notice what God says in verse 4? Look at verse 4 I want you to read it together with me. Go ahead, Justin, put it up. Read it with me. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I thought the Babylonians carried them. What did God say? Who did God say took them to Babylon? He said, I carried you to Babylon. I was the one who brought you into exile. Make no mistake Babylon was just a belt that I used to get a hold of your backside. Babylon was just the tool that I used to get your attention. But I'm the one who allowed this to happen in your life. To get your attention and wake you up to the consequences of sin. God allowed this to happen to them. God has built into the very fabric of our world the law of cause and effect. Say cause and effect. We reap what we sow. What goes around comes around. If you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. the Bible says. Here it is. God allowed this to happen. If you try to break God's law, God's law will break you. That's what happens to us. I don't believe in God's law. Well, try that with the law of gravity. That's one of God's laws. Go step off the top of this building and tell God you don't believe in gravity. Give us a minute. We'll have the ambulance here waiting for you. I want to see it. Yeah, you can deny God's law if you want to, but you won't break God's law, it'll break you. And what happens to us today is we have a society that ignores God's word. They don't believe in God's commandments. And and we don't believe in the consequences of sin. We don't believe that we'll actually reap what we sow. We don't believe it'll happen to us. Oh, other people, that happens to them. It won't ever happen to me. And so we go against God's law. And we live in sin. And we do what we want to do. I won't ever get hooked on it. I can quit whenever I want to. You're a liar. You would have done quit if you could quit whenever you want to. Hmm. Oh, will it happen to them. It won't happen to me. Stronger men than you and I have been slain by that sword, friend. You'd be a fool to live like that and say something like that. The consequences of sin are deadly. We must be very careful about them because when we think we're going to get away with it, we prove ourselves wrong. God will not bend His law even for us. And if we think we can live in sin and get by with it, we will break our lives on the law that we denied. They forgot the truth about God's character, about sin's consequences. They forgot the truth about God's compassion, finally. What do you mean, pastor? Well, thankfully, they were about to learn about God's compassion. But God's compassion didn't look like they hoped it would. This love was tough love. Say tough love. This was the love of a good parent. It was the love of a good father. He didn't bail them out of their consequences. But he didn't abandon them to their own sins either. Aren't you thankful? Oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. He didn't rescue them from their consequences. But he didn't just hand them over to their problems either. Instead, he said, you know what? You're in a mess. Are you going to get me out of it? No. I'm going to help you get yourself out of it. (laughs) That's what a good parent says, right? I'm going to walk with you through this, but you're going to go through this. And when you get through this, hopefully you will have learned the hard lesson and you won't ever do this again because you will be, as young people say now, woke. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> You'll be awake to the reality of what's happening, you will understand that there are consequences to your actions. God's compassion does that for us. Jeremiah warned them. They they said, "But listen, God's punishing us by bringing us into Babylon. We wanted to stay in Jerusalem." Jeremiah says, "You've got to understand, guys. Those who stay in Jerusalem, something far worse is going to happen to them." God didn't bring you to Babylon as a punishment. He actually brought you to Babylon as a mercy. Babylon as a mercy, yes. Because even though Babylon's where you don't want to be, if you go to Babylon, you can live there. You can plant vineyards. You can build houses. You can have a good, comfortable life. What about those back in Jerusalem? He says, no, they're going to perish by the sword. The enemy's going to come and wipe out all that is left. You don't want to be one of those people stuck back in Jerusalem. Really, God? Really, Jeremiah says. God's goal in sending them into exile was not mainly punishment. It was correction. Say, correction. It seemed like God was getting back at them. But in reality, he sent them to Babylon to spare them from ultimate destruction. This is what we call a severe mercy. As bad as it is, it's not nearly as bad as it would have been had God not stepped in. Do you hear me? Say that with me. As bad as it's been, it's not nearly as bad as it would have been. If God had not stepped in. I want to tell you there are times in life we must remember this about God. Even though I may be suffering, even though I may have brought much of it on my own head, God is compassionate. We read it a moment ago. He is full of loving kindness and tender mercy. He's gracious and compassionate. And God will not abandon us even in our disciplined moments. He will not leave us. He will walk with us through that. Sometimes the worst thing that ever happened to us can become the very best thing that could have happened to us. Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. But pastor, he left me when I decided to follow the Lord. Child, God was just unhitching you from a wagon that was about to crash anyway. But pastor, my sin was exposed and I lost my job. If God hadn't got your attention, you'd have lost more than your job. You'd have lost your soul. But pastor, I was exposed and I, my boy ended up in jail. He wasn't headed to jail. When the policeman caught him that night, the enemy was going to kill him and take him to hell. And God rescued him by sending him to jail. You ought to be thankful he's in jail. And the you didn't have his funeral last week a severe mercy God stepped in and as bad as it is it's not as bad as it would have been had God not shown up and intervened in the situation give the Lord a hand of praise the 70 years of exile were tough but once Judah returned home they learned the hard lesson friend Judah never again went into idolatry Never again did they set up idols in the temple court of the Lord And bow themselves down to them That never happened again They learned the hard lesson Don't get stuck in the past or the future Face the facts of the present Learn the hard lesson so you can move on And finally as we close today Jeremiah's third word to them And it's a hard word but get ready Make the best of hard times Make the best of hard times This is what Jeremiah told them What do you do then Jeremiah? He said Build houses, plant vineyards, start you a garden in the back. You're going to be here a while. Go ahead and plant you a vine. Now, what does that mean? A vine takes a while to grow and produce. It doesn't produce the first year. It's little the first year. If you're planning on picking grapes, you're going to be several years deep before you get a harvest. Jeremiah didn't say, he didn't say plant tomatoes. He said plant you a vineyard. <laughs> plant you something that's going to take a while to grow because you're going to be here a while. Jeremiah said settle in to Babylon settle into this place you're going to be here for a while make the best of hard times build houses and settle down plant gardens eat what they produce marry and have sons and daughters find your find wives for your sons give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have daughters and sons increase in number Do increase Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You're going to be here a while. Make the best of it. The hard truth of life is this. Life rarely turns out like we planned. Life rarely turns out the way we planned. Things just don't go the way we dreamed they would go. If I were to walk around the room today and ask you... Anybody in here over 50 years old, has your life gone the way you envisioned it would go when you were 18? Some of you are laughing, yeah, yeah. It isn't, it doesn't, does it? Life doesn't go the way we planned. But that doesn't mean it isn't a good life. How many of you would say, even though it didn't go as I planned, I'm blessed and God's been good to me? Look at the hands. Yeah, look at the testimony around this room. Even though it didn't go the way I planned it, it's still been good. God's still been faithful. He's still proven himself true. And I've still had a good trip on the journey. Thank the Lord for that. You're going to be here a while. Life's not going to turn out like you planned. But it doesn't mean it can't still be good. And they all lived happily ever after is only found in fairy tales. Amen. That phrase is never in the Bible. We are not home yet. We're not in heaven yet. We live in a fallen, broken world. We live between Eden and the new Jerusalem. For the present time, Babylon is where we call home. In the Bible, Babylon always symbolizes something. It's not just a city. Babylon always symbolizes the world apart from God. Say that with me. The world apart from God. This is a message to the church today. You and I, for the time being, live in Babylon. We live in a society that doesn't know God, love God, want God, care about God. And that's where you and I live. We live there. We do business there. We work there. We go to school there. We we take our lunch there. We go vacation there. Everything we do, we live in a world that has backed away from God and doesn't want God to be close. Babylon started as a city built by man for man. And they didn't want God very close or to have anything to do with it. We live in this fallen world, this system, this culture that's contrary to God. Christians know this world is not our final home. The Bible says, here we have no enduring city, but we seek one which is to come. Hebrews 13 and 14. But this is the world we must live in until the Lord calls us home or until Jesus comes again and fixes its brokenness. So what are we to do? Well, we're to do what your grandma always told you to do, bloom Where you're planted. Say it with me. Bloom where you're planted. Or in this case, bloom where you've been transplanted. Amen. (laughs) Because they got transplanted. Some of you weren't planted where you are. You've been transplanted to where you are, right? This isn't where you started out, but it's where you've ended up. What do you do? Put your roots down and bloom. Bloom. Go ahead and live. Go ahead and move forward and do life. We are to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where the Lord's called us. What do we do while we live here in Mobile, Alabama that often doesn't look very much like the New Jerusalem? We're to work hard. We're to make our community prosper. We're to be loyal citizens, we're to be hard-working employees. We're to be good neighbors to the people that we live around. We live like Jesus could return today, but we labor like He isn't coming for a thousand years. We live like faithful witnesses of Jesus in the middle of Babylon's corrupt, sinful society. We sing the songs of Zion in the middle of Babylon. That's why we gather every Sunday morning to remind ourselves that those of us in here aren't like everybody out there. We don't live like people out there. Our values aren't the same as people that don't know the Lord. We gather every week in the middle of Babylon and we sing the songs of Zion. Sometimes we come and say, I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. Just sing it. Amen. Because it's true whether you feel it or not. Amen. And sometimes you have to sing it until you feel it. Sometimes you have to do it by faith and feel it later. But the reality is whether I feel like heaven is on its way or not, it is. And whether I feel like the Lord is coming or not, He is. And whether I feel like God's got my back, He does. And whether I feel like life is good and God is showing me mercy, He is. So we learn to quit relying on our feelings. Yes. We quit relying on our feelings and we walk into God's house and we say, here I stand in a strange land, but I'm going to sing the songs of Zion. I'm going to remind myself and my neighbor that we are the redeemed of the Lord and we've gathered to testify to that and we belong to God and this world is not our home and whether we make it out of here in the rapture or whether they bury us in the mobile clay, one day the exile will be over. One day the trump will sound and Jesus will raise us up and we we'll will go home to be with him forever and ever and ever What are you going to do in the meantime? I'm not going to mope and I'm not going to gripe, and I'm not going to complain. I'm going to learn like Paul to be content in whatever state I'm in. I'm going to be a good neighbor. I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to make sure my grass is cut. I'm going to make sure that my fence is fixed. I'm going to make sure my neighbor knows that I'm there for him if he needs me. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be a good neighbor. work, I'm going to show up on time I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to be faithful to the job that God gave me, oh it's not the job I wanted it doesn't matter, it's the job you agreed to do, so you do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men and you give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay but I'm in Babylon, but you're not a Babylonian You're a Christian. You belong to God. So you go live out there like you know who you are in here. You turn the cheek when somebody does you wrong. You forgive. You let things slide off. Mm -hmm. You live like a Christian. In the middle of Babylon, you live like a Christian. And when you do, the Babylonians will start to hear the music. And they'll start to see the difference. And they'll start to filter in and go, who are you people? And who is this God that you're singing about? And why is your life so different? And how is it that in your brokenness and your pain, and even though your life didn't turn out like you wanted it to either, how can you still have joy? How can you still have peace? And you can smile at them and say, because we are the people who know our God. And we know that God is for us and who can be against us. And even though it didn't turn out like I planned, God said, he knew the plans he had for me. Plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans to give me a future and a hope. Stand with me all over the Lord's house today as Pastor Chad comes. Lord, help us. We sing the songs of Zion. We make music. We create art. We write books. We raise strong families. We build strong churches. We establish Christian schools. We make Christian homeschool cooperatives. We start Christian colleges and universities. We go to secular schools and establish beachheads and ministries, and we get involved there to be salt and light in dark places. We run for office. We vote our convictions. We vote for righteous candidates. We fight for the unborn, the orphan, the widow, the elderly, the foreigner, the mentally and physically disabled. We become a countercultural church where it doesn't matter what race or ethnicity you are, what social background or economic level you are. or or what you did before you met Jesus and got here, amen? We become a kingdom community like that. We live a life that shows the world we're different. What's Jeremiah's message to us on contentment? Well, his message is bloom where you're planted. Stop waiting for the rapture and love the community that you're part of. I didn't say don't be ready for the rapture. Be ready, but don't use the coming of the Lord as an excuse To not be compassionate and care about the place where you live. Well, Pastor, the Lord could come tomorrow. He could. But he may not. So I need to love my neighbor. And you know what? If he is coming tomorrow and I believe that and my neighbor doesn't know the Lord, I better get across there this afternoon then. The coming of the Lord is not an excuse to sit, soak, and sour, church. The coming of the Lord is every reason to work and watch and witness for the kingdom. To live as citizens of that great city. Lord, help us. Stop wasting your time and talent and money and energy. Invest your life in something that will make a lasting difference for the gospel and the kingdom. Let your heart be broken by some cause in this community that breaks the heart of God and go spend yourself in that cause. What is it that gets your attention? Is it abortion? Is it homelessness? Is it teen pregnancy or sex trafficking? Is it divorce or single parenthood or domestic abuse? Is it drug addiction? What is it? What malady in this community breaks your heart? What are you going to do about it? You live here. God has moved you into the middle of this place. What are you going to do while you're here? Plug in, make a difference. Seek the prosperity of this place because if it prospers, you'll prosper. If this community goes down, guess what? We'll all suffer from that. Every passenger on the ship has an, it has, a, has an interest in making sure the ship stays afloat. Amen? Some of us Christians act like the guy who they drew a line down the middle of the boat. They got to arguing about what they were going to do in the boat and where the boat was going to go. And so they drew a line down the middle of the boat. And the guy on one end said, this is my end of the boat. That's your end of the boat. You worry about your end of the boat and i worry about my end of the boat. And he said, okay, deal. The man on the other end of the boat pulled out a corkscrew and started drilling a hole in the boat. He said, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to sink the boat. He said, That's your end of the boat. This is my end of the boat. Sometimes as Christians, we want to live like we can stay in our end of the boat. Can I tell you, you and I are part of this community. And what happens to it matters greatly to all of us because we're all in the same boat today. What does the Bible say, do as Christians? Plug into the community. Do good. Work for positive change. That's how you be a witness for Jesus. How you be light in the dark and salt in the decay. Lord, help us. Invest. Plug in. Get involved. Bloom where you're planted. Say it with me. Bloom where you're planted. Has your life not turned out the way you dreamed it would be? (laughs) Well, stop dreaming and wake up and face the hard facts. You are where you are by God's design. And as a result of your own choices. Don't get frozen in the past. You can't change your yesterday. Stop wishing for a better past. Stop trying to get back to some happy place in the past. It won't ever happen. But don't get stuck in tomorrow either. Don't convince yourself that I can't be happy until a whole list of things happen. Quit waiting on your life to start. Your life already started. This is not a drill. This is the real thing. Amen. Learn those hard lessons. Don't get stuck in the past. Stop repeating the same patterns of sin. The first time it was a mistake. The fifth time it was a choice. Amen. Repent of your sins. Learn from those mistakes. Move forward. Listen to me. This is not a punishment. This is a course correction. This is not a punishment. This is a course correction. God is redirecting your life. He's steering you away from disaster. And even though it's painful and confusing, He's moving your life away from ultimate harm. Trust Him that He's that good and that He loves you that much today. What's the key for us? Verses 12 and 13. Then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The root of it all was that. They'd stopped drawing close to God. They'd withdrawn from the Lord. They stopped seeking Him in prayer, reading His Word. They, stopped, they started listening to their own flesh and doing what they wanted instead of what God said. They found preachers who would tell them what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to know. They turned to other sources of help. Idols, false gods, substitute saviors. There's only one remedy. God got their attention and then He said, Call on me. Return to me. Seek me. You'll find me when you do. Are you living in exile today? Is your life far different than you planned? Maybe it's the consequences of your own choices. Maybe it's the fallout of somebody else's choices. Maybe their life went careening out of control and their car crashed into yours. And you're the one on the side of the road today. Can I tell you that happens? Can I get a witness? Just me. I'm the only one that's ever happened to Tony. Just me. Yeah. Sometimes other people's foolishness comes crashing in on your life. Oh, that's a hard place to be. You know, I'm quite sure there's some people ended up in Babylon probably feared the Lord. But when the Babylonians came through the city, they just grabbed everybody they saw. Do you hear me? That's that thing about living in a community. <laughs> right? The tide that raises one of the ships raises all the ships. Or it'll sink them maybe today in the sovereignty of God, God's protected you from a far greater danger that you couldn't even see down the road. But today, for whatever reason, you feel like God has dropped you off in Babylon. You feel like you're exiled. You feel like you're just out there floating. Can I tell you today, I've preached a hard message. Face the facts, learn the lessons, bloom where you're planted. But can I remind you of this before we close? You're not alone. God is with you. He's with you here he's with you now he's with you in the place of your pain he will never leave you nor forsake you he has not walked off from you and he's not he didn't drop you off and say now figure your own way out of this mess no 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 he is walking with you through it it says now hold me by the hand and I'm gonna show you what you do when this happens I'm gonna show you how you do it when this happens when I was learning how to drive I'd get in a tight spot and I, I couldn't I couldn't get the car turned around I'd get on a narrow road, and I'd try to do a three-point turnaround, and I couldn't do it. And I'd get out. I'd get out and make my daddy get it out. <laughs> uh-uh, no, I'm not doing this. You come over and get out. It worked for a while, but about two weeks before the driver's test, my daddy took me out on a little narrow road, made me do a three-point turnaround. I got it just about off the edge and thought, I'm about to wreck this car. And I went and reached for the door handle, and my daddy said, don't you dare open that door. And what did he do? Pull it up. Pull it up a little further. Uh Uh-huh. A little further. You see it? You see it? Now look in your mirror. Check it. Do you see it? Yeah. Put it in reverse. Back it. Back it. Whoa, right there. Now check your mirror. Do you see where you are? Yeah. Yeah. I see it. I see it. Now cut it hard the other way and pull out. You can go. He didn't make me do it by myself, but he didn't do it for me either. He coached me through. I thought I won't have to do this. Don't make me parallel park. Noah. I went for my driver's test. This highway patrolman took me down a little narrow road down Fairground Street in Kaisiasko, Mississippi, and said, Do a three point turnaround. And I thought, I sure love my daddy right now. <laughs> Got it on the first try. I walked out with my license. Yeah. God will walk with you and coach you through. Listen to me, wherever you are right now. Pastor, I brought it on myself. Listen to me, it doesn't matter. What? It doesn't matter even if you did bring it on yourself, what you need right now is not to get stuck in the past, not to sink in regret or shame or guilt. What you need to do now is what God said do. Yes, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe this is the sovereignty of God. Maybe someone else's life wrecked into yours. I don't know, but all I know is this. Wherever you are and whoever's fault it is, here's the good news. Call upon me and I will answer you. Seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart, all you've got to know today is this. Do you need him? Do you need his help? Are you willing to cry out? Because if you are, he's willing to meet you here. And if you'll surrender to him, he'll hold you by the hand. He may require you to confess some sins. He may require you to repent of some things you've done. He may make you walk through some hard consequences and learn some difficult lessons, but He will walk with you through whatever road you're on today. That is the good news of the gospel. And He will turn it back around for your good. He'll weave it back into the story. Because God did not bring you here for your destruction. He brought you here for your discipline. This isn't punishment. This is a course correction. But you need Him now more than you've ever needed Him. I want to tell you, you thought you needed him in Jerusalem. Oh, baby, you need him in Babylon. You need him where you are now. You need the Lord. And if you're in a tough spot like that today in exile and you need the Lord, I urge you today as we pray, come meet me at this altar and say, Lord Jesus, I need to call on you. I need to surrender it to you. And I need you to help me figure out what I do from here. Are you here? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word can be trusted. We thank you that your word is honest and true. We thank you, Lord, that today many of us here find ourselves in exile. We find ourselves in a place we never planned on being, we never dreamed we would end up, but life has thrown us a curveball we never saw coming. Lord, today we sit and we feel like we're exiled. We feel like we're in a mess and we feel like we're in it by ourselves. And Lord, what we need today more than anything is you to walk into the middle of it, to grab us by the hand, And Lord, if it isn't going to turn around overnight, even if we've got to walk our way out of this, we just need to know that you're with us and you're going to walk us through it. Father, today we come and we claim your promise. The promise of Isaiah. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name and your mind. And when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither will the flame kindle on you, because I'm the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Some of you here and you say, Pastor, I can't live for the Lord in Babylon. It's too hard. I'm not coming down there and making a commitment to the Lord today. Listen, Daniel lived for God in Babylon. Esther lived for God in Babylon. The three Hebrew children lived for God in Babylon. You can live for God in Babylon. You can live for God wherever you are, in whatever trial you're in, even if you're in a trouble that you brought on your own head. God will walk you through Father, in Jesus' name, speak to your people. Speak to their hearts and draw them close. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Chad is going to lead us in a song. This altar's open before we pray and dismiss. If you need to come forward, I invite you to come. If you're in exile and you need God to help you out, I want you to come and let's, let's pray with you today. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you begin this journey by inviting Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. You say, God, I confess my sins. I brought a lot on my own head. But I believe that the cross paid the price for every sin so that I can be forgiven. I believe your blood was enough for me. Lord, come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me. Come live in me. Come grab me by the hand. Walk me out of this broken place I'm in. I'll follow you for the rest of my life, Lord Jesus, if you'll take control. It's all you have to do. But you have to mean it with all your heart. You'll seek him and find him when you seek him with all your heart. Let's sing to the Lord this morning. If you need to come, the altar's open. Come and pray with me. Today. Let's sing in Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.